Welcome back in everyone to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very unique episode and very unique production to bring to you today. Joining us on our show today, we have the master juggler and visual artist, Jay Gilligan, the producer, Josh Avenar, and the director, Lindsay Avenar, who are all with the show, Reflex. It's playing October 11th through October 22nd at the Baruch Performing Arts Center, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting reflexshow.com. But it doesn't stop there. You can also check their website for dates and locations of their national tour to see when this amazing show is coming to a performance space near you. So we're very excited to be bringing you this interview today. And with that, let's go ahead and welcome on our guests, Jay, Josh, Lindsay. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Hello. This is great. It's great we're all here. I love it. Like Josh and Lindsay and I, even though we work together, I, I live in Sweden and they're in New York City, so we don't even get to hang out as much as we'd like to. So this, I mean, this is, we're doing a podcast, but we're also hanging out being friends so i love it <laughs> i love i love this the feel of this is incredible i feel like this is like a zoom happy hour so i kind of feel like we should all have like a drink right now and just be chilling out this, this is incredible we're talking about this incredible show that you all have reflex which is just all the pictures i've seen and a couple of the videos i've looked up is i mean mind-blowing it's out of this world incredible. And so, Jay, I want to start with you. I mean, you're the performer, the master juggler, the visual artist. The show is your show. So can you tell us a bit about what it is and, and is about, I guess? Yeah, well, how about I start by telling you how the show came to exist? Because I was thinking about that this afternoon. I knew we were going to get to talk to each other. And I was remembering back, all the way back to the beginning of the project. And there was kind of a funny thing. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's how this all started. So actually, have you ever heard of the mathematician Claude Shannon? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, so Claude Shannon's the father of information theory. He's the guy who came up with the term the bit, you know, like in computer, like, you know, a bit of information. That was Claude Shannon. But the thing about Claude is he also made, he was a, he was a juggler. He was like a, an amateur juggler just as, as a hobbyist. And he made a juggling machine that would bounce three balls off of a drum. And the cool thing about his machine is that it was purely mechanical. So it wasn't a robot in the sense that it used any sort of, you know, feedback like pressure sensors or visual camera feedback. It was just a purely mechanical automata almost machine. And you would just, you know, you just press it go and then the thing would just bounce three balls off of a drum. And ever since I was a little kid, when I started juggling, I was like, man, I don't know why I was fascinated by that, but it was just like the coolest thing I'd seen in my life. And I was like, well, the only thing cooler than a machine that would bounce three balls downwards off of a drum is to do three balls up in the air because that's what juggling normally is, right? Like we don't normally think about juggling as bouncing balls off the floor. We think about throwing them up in the air. So I was like, man, one day in my life, I want to get a machine that throws three balls up in the air in a, in a juggling pattern. That would just be the ultimate thing to do. And so I actually tried to get this machine made for about 25 years. And, you know, I've been talking to all different sorts of people to collaborate on. I made different versions myself out of hair dryers with cardboard tubes with, you know, like holes cut out and like baseball pitching machines and tennis ball pitching machines facing each other, you know, across the room, just like pitching balls into each other's hoppers and stuff like crazy stuff. And nothing ever really worked. And some people had made 
juggling robots that would throw three balls in the air, but it's all like computer controlled with like infrared sensors and feedback loops. And you could never really take that out in the real world. You know, it's, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't robust enough to leave the laboratory. <laughs> and so finally, after like 25 years, I finally made, or I didn't personally make it, but I collaborated with a builder, with a fabricator who is a genius. And he made a juggling machine that uses no feedback, but does three balls in the air, just like a normal human being. And I was just, I was just beside myself, like, especially after like 25 years of, of imagining that that would be cool. I mean, of course, like you don't know until you see it, like it could have just been boring. It could, just been, it could have just been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, well, it looks like a video or like the bouncing off the drum was actually nicer because you heard the sound of the drum. I don't know, right? But I got this machine, it did three balls in the air on its own, and it was cooler than I thought it would be. Like, it was even cooler. And I was freaking out. I was like, well, obviously I'm gonna make a new show and use this machine. <laughs> and then it hit me and I was like, well, cause like I say, I live here in Stockholm, Sweden, and mostly I tour around Europe these days, even though I'm originally from America. And I was like, well, I can make a new show and put this robot, or, or sorry, this machine in the show but if I kind of do my normal way of making a show, all the people who like my show will come to the show and be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like Jay made another show, I, I like it. But all the people who don't normally watch my shows or maybe care for what I do, you know, they'll, it'll be the same thing. They're like, oh, Jay made another show. Ah, I don't need to see it. You know, like I know what I like, right? I mean, I mean like normal. And then I thought, you know, that's really sad because this machine is super cool. Everybody has to see the machine. That's how cool it is. Like I was like, I was so freaking out. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this show like I normally do. I'm going to try to do something different that I've never done before. And as part of that process, you know, I'm really engaged in the circus community and Lindsay and Josh, they have an amazing podcast. If you've never listened to it, it's the Hideaway Circus podcast and they do incredible interviews mostly incredible because not only the caliber of guests they have, but also because they know so much about circus. So they go really deep into the circus community and the culture. And it's, it's a really great podcast. So I was listening to their podcast. I didn't know them before. We never met. We never talked nothing. Right. And I, but I had this machine and I was like, we're going to, I'm going to make a new show. It's going to be different. And just out of nowhere, I emailed them. <laughs> I was like, Hey guys, I, I'm going to make a solo show. Do you guys want to like maybe collaborate on that? And then to my shock and surprise, I got an email back like the next day, like which never happens in my world or in my industry. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, let's, let's do something together. And I was just completely floored and it just kind of went from there. So it had a pretty unusual start and uh, that's now here we are, I guess. Yeah. But you have to, for people who aren't, who aren't, you know, circus people, Jay is held in such insane high regard within the circus community. This past summer, he the International Jugglers Association gave him essentially a lifetime achievement excellence award. So when I, we got an email out of the blue from Jay, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like a once in a chance, once in a, life, once in a yeah. lifetime kind of chance." Not only because like working with Jay would be you know so exciting for us and an honor, but there are really only like. The jugglers like Jay who are able to take an art form and elevate it to another level and bring in new audiences to appreciate it happen like once every 20 or 30 years. And we already knew <laughs> that Jay was this person. So, and for me, I, I'd grown up seeing Michael Motion's juggling shows. Michael Motion actually won a Tony for his juggling show in the late 90s. So to me, it was obvious, like, of course you can do a one-man 
juggling show that's more than I can juggle five balls or six balls or seven balls, but tells a story and makes you feel things and makes you question like, what is juggling? And I mean, you know, Jay can talk more about it, but Jay has invented so much stuff over, I don't know, how long is your career, Jay? 38 years is I think what the press release says. You're, you're, yeah, you're like, it is. It's true. It's all true. Yeah. 38 years. Um, a long time, man. But I just knew, we knew, Lindsay and I, that there was so much material from Jay's lifetime that, you know, like Jay alluded to, he's mostly toured in Europe. So, so many Americans have not seen these 38 years worth of inventions and research and exploration. So the idea, you know, Lindsay and I are New Yorkers and New York theater people as much as circus people. The idea that we could bring that to New York and to the U.S. and that it would be new for everybody here was just sort of a no-brainer. That is amazing. And congratulations on your award, Jay. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that is a feat. So we all congratulate you here at Sage Whisper. Thank you. I Thank want, you. I want to bring Lindsay on now. I want to ask you, Lindsay, what has it been like developing this production, this production of Reflex? I, yeah, I've actually been talking about this recently a lot because I think finding collaborators, especially in more like devised pieces like this, is so challenging because you need to find people who not only have like the same vision as you or like we're all working in the same direction towards the same goal but it's also people that are open and and ready for it to change the direction and not like going against the flow of just like no it has to be this but it's like we're all working and if it looks like it should move we're all going to move with it and I think it's rare to find that that collaboration of people who, who, you know, you see teams of people on shows do shows over and over together because I think once you find it, it is super special. And so working with Jay and the other writer and co-director Frodo Santini, who is in Norway, has just been like a dream because Jay, so I'm not a juggler. (laughs) I can barely juggle, which by the end of this year, my goal is to at least be able to go like six times to throw <laughs> three balls, six times. But I, you know, I was like, I don't know if a if a one man juggling show is going to be sustainable for a whole hour and, a, and 15 minutes, essentially. But it, and I, you know, my background is all theater. And then I came to circus when I met Josh in grad school uh, 10 years ago. And I fell in love with it because I was like, wow, there's a different way to tell a story. And there is a way to tell a story with circus. And there because circus evokes such emotion and feeling without really saying much. It's like you are allowed to feel whatever you need to feel in the moment that you see a circus show. And I love that. And so collaborating with Jay and Frodo and Josh has been just wonderful because it's not even just about, okay, what are the juggling acts? It's like, what is what are we trying to leave the audience with? And I think like today when everything is so expensive and you're making less money, it's like, I'm going to spend my money on something that I, that matters a little bit, you know, whether I want to feel like super happy or like, I want to cry in the theater and like, you'll have that moment. Like it should still be great. It should still be a great show. And I think working with them has shown me that, that you can really make a great show that gives you all the feelings and, in a medium that I was like, I don't know. So it's been, yeah, it's been <laughs> awesome. That's fabulous. I love it. Jay, I want to come back to you and ask, without giving too much away, what can audiences expect from Reflex? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, you know, Lindsay mentioned Frodo, who who helped work on the show, helped co-write the show, and 
and worked with me on it. And Frodo just said to us last week a really cool thing. He said, there's a truth in skill, right? Like skills have a truth to them. And that's what I personally love about juggling. That's why I've been still doing it after these 38 years is because juggling is like concrete. I mean, you either catch the ball or you don't. And there's a real truth in that, right? I mean, if you actually juggle seven balls, you really do it. You don't pretend, you can't pretend that you do it. You do it or you don't. And so there's something about that that I find really compelling. And I would say the majority of the show conceptually, I can just tell you the main idea and then I can tell you a little bit more detail. But the idea of the show is that I look at juggling or I've looked at juggling my whole life as something that is more than skill, difficulty, and risk. Like normally we think about juggling and we go, oh, it's difficult, they're gonna drop or, oh, they're juggling knives or a chainsaw and they might cut themselves. So there we're really talking about a skill or a difficulty. But if you go to you know a concert, like a like whatever sort of concert, listen to some music, you generally, you generally don't listen to like a piano concerto and be like, oh man, that was so difficult to play. Like maybe there is a, an, a component of that if you're a piano player and you really know how the mechanics of it works, but mostly you're just taken away by the emotion or the experience of listening to music, right? Like we just get into the melody and the, the, you know, the idea of the song. And so that's kind of more like what I'm doing with my work and my career it's more like visual music rather than sports or like juggling in the Olympics where we're going to see how high or how fast we can throw. It's, it's more like a, some sort of dance or yeah, it's an artistic expression with an aesthetic and a composition. And it, so part of that work then to get more specific about the show reflex is I use lots of different materials like strings and feathers and balloons. And I have fans like moving air on stage to move objects and, a lot of the juggling props I've built myself and I have a bunch of these. So I don't just have a machine that juggles three balls in the air. I have a couple other juggling machines that juggle on their own and I play music with juggling. So it's, it's a lot of different, like I say, uh, non-standard for whatever that means. I mean, juggling isn't so standard, but non-traditional. In one way, here in Europe, they call it experimental, but that, that always has like a weird, like nobody knows what that means. <laughs> so it's just more about this idea of like, it's an aesthetic art. Like, like I'm a visual artist and I'm using objects to paint in the air, if that makes sense. And I'd also add that Jay weaves into the story about his life a little bit into the show and his relationship with his dad and his dad worked at NASA and all about all of juggling is gravity, right? Because you're always working against gravity. You're throwing it up and you're hoping you catch it before gravity does. So it's <laughs> like that that weaves in through the whole show and the relationship between that is really where we leave you at the end and you know it's a yeah the ending is beautiful but i don't want to give it away <laughs> that's all very cool Lindsay. i actually want to come back to you and build on something you said you talked about what you hope the audience kind of gets out of the show and i was wondering if, if there's a thought or a message or something like that that you're hoping the audience does take away from the show well i think that something that I've been interested in since I, so I started my whole career in off-Broadway theater, off-off-Broadway and off-Broadway theater and really in like fundraising. And so all of it was like the audience, you know, and like, how do you get new audiences? How do you get new people to be a part of your thing? And so what I love about circus is it, is it allows people to come more as they are like the pretense of what you have to behave like or how you have to how you feel may, might think you have to feel or dress is gone 
and like you can interact with the art a little bit more than you can a traditional show like you can take photos and videos and post them and and be a, be a be a bigger part of the experience than just a just a viewer which you know I love a show so but I do love the idea that like kids can be a little bit more interactive with it they're not they don't have to be so like you know when I bring our three-year-old I'm like please don't make a noise like please be quiet and in this show like hopefully they're quiet but they also can interact because there's moments of interaction so I think for the audience a I want them to have a great time like I want you to have a good time at the theater like I want every experience that you have in the theater I hope to be good because then it means you'll come back and that's ultimately what the goal is right to create lifelong theater art viewers um but I think the the overall like kind of message of the show is that you may not know why you're doing something now but it might have an impact on someone in the future and when you see Jay's juggling is impacting all these students now as who are going to juggling school circus school now and they're taking moments of his art and using and, and growing on that like I bet you Jay didn't know that he was gonna be this amazing juggler that all these kids look up to but it's but that's what he's doing you know and like that's the future that he didn't know was going to impact someone else and I think that's a big theme of the show is like you know passing along this like information and how do we keep it alive and what are you doing what are you putting out there that someone else is going to remember and and hopefully take to heart and and grow from that's so wonderful. I want to wrap up this first part of the interview with you, Josh, as the producer. And I want to ask you, who do you hope have access to Reflex? I mean, of course, you're coming here to New York, but you're taking this all across the country. So who is it that you hope have access to the show? That's a great question. I think the show has pretty wide appeal. If you're, you know, for the sake of a publicist, I tried to explain it's a little bit like a magic show. Juggling and magic are brother and sister. So if you're the kind of person who would attend, you know, a magic show in New York City, this is, is I think, up your alley. But because it combines technical skill, if you don't care for the talking, it doesn't really matter because you're going to see 60 minutes of the most amazing visual elements. And if you go in thinking like, oh, I'm going to go see some good juggling. I think you are so surprised by how much, uh, how good the story and the talking is and how much you're, you're left with. The circus in America is a very populist art form and it's existed since George Washington, the history of circus, and it's spread out all over the U.S. So while theater culture is super condensed in New York City and then you have big cities in other places, Chicago, maybe Minneapolis, that are you know, hubs of theater. Circus is kind of more generally spread everywhere with less concentration in America, in, America yeah. in any one place. And after we did the show the first time, we we premiered it off off Broadway a year and a half ago. And our final week of our four week off Broadway run, we live streamed and saw the statistics of how many people were tuning in all over the US and also in Europe and Australia. But once we were just seeing the like national interest in it, and Jay has also, you know, toured the U.S. with other circus companies, you know, in, in his long storied career, we just knew that there was, you know, room for this in other places. And my wife and I produce a touring circus. It's a different show from this, where we really know who these people are who want to come out and turn out and see circus shows. So it was just sort of a natural match for us. But I also think it's not people who just like circus. You know, I think this this show is 
is a little bit of both. It's for the people who are like, okay, I've seen Mamma Mia, you know, I've seen Wicked, love them, but need something new and different and just like something that's a little less, maybe I'm a little slightly more abstract or, you know, just a little bit different. And so I think this show would be for those people too. It's kind of like when you see a great musical and the singer like has that amazing moment where everybody feels goosebumps. The 11 and you just number. like know it partially because they're so technically great at it that there's the emotion of what's happening in the moment. And then there's their like technicality of, wow, I can't believe they can sustain a note like that or get to that. And Reflex does that with juggling. So I, to me, I'm like, I was going to get people in the door. Once I have them in the door, then word of mouth is going to, you know, catch on fire. And it's just about getting people to understand why they should be interested, you know, in reflex and juggling. And thankfully it's a very visual thing. So if you see the teaser trailer, you know, on YouTube or Instagram, I think the photos and videos also, you know, really do a good job um, visualizing what it is we're talking about on this podcast. second half of our show, we like to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better. And I'd like to do that now. And I want to start by asking all three of you, what or who inspires you? And as we are a theater podcast, I'm going to, you know, ask what like composers, playwrights or shows have inspired you in the past or are some of your favorites. But please go ahead and feel free to mention other things from the world of circus or magic as well. And Josh, I'm going to start with you first on this. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I really didn't get immersed until into the like, really theater world of plays and musicals until about ten years ago when I met when I met Lindsay. But like, you must love musicals and plays. <laughs> I would say I think my favorite director, <laughs> person I'm like most consistently inspired by, is Michael Arden, <laughs> who uh, is this amazing director and actor. We saw his version of Deaf West, Deaf West doing Spring Awakening. And again, that's kind of like using another medium outside of theater, you know, American Sign Language and bringing it into theater and making people like love a show and also get this extra component to it. And that was very formative for me. I uh, We live right across from BAM. So certainly, particularly pre-2019, BAM was like our go-to nonprofit theater to go see work at. And they had a very good balance between like theater, dance and circus, which, you know, are all of our, at least my interests. Michael Arden can do no wrong. But I love that inspiration. I love, I just, that was a wonderful answer. (laughs) Jay, I want to kick it over to you now. What are who inspires you? Oh, man. Okay, you're going to have to cut me off because I'm going to go too long on this. So (laughs) there's too many. Let's say that, Mo. There's too many cool things in the world. I mean, I'll say this, like for everything I said before about juggling being concrete and real, the other thing I also love is musicals. And like Lindsay can tell you this too. I mean, I totally love musicals. I mean, one of my favorites is Starlight Express. I've seen it. I don't want to know how many times. <laughs> and Josh was mentioning before Michael Motion. And Michael Motion's musician or composer is David Van Tegum. And David Van Tegum, you know, he's still working around New York City now doing a ton of productions. But but at the heart of it all, I am a circus artist. And so I'm just going to shout out Franco Dragon. Rest in peace. He, he died recently. But Franco Dragon was this director for the golden age of Cirque du Soleil. And, you know, he really headed that team, you know, that core team that made Cirque du Soleil into this global brand that we all know. And so I just love Franco's work. 
yeah, I'll stop there. I'll leave it at that. But there's just so many eclectic different people that really influenced my world. I just love art and I love, you know, live performance of any type. I mean, so yeah. Well, well Lindsay, what do you think? What do you got? <laughs> that was very good, Jay. Gosh, I feel like I have so many for so many different reasons, but I, I mean, I, I, the first show I saw that was, it's hilarious that it's Josh's too, was the original version of Spring Awakening was when I was like, wow, there's a musical for me, you know, like I could be in that. And that really just totally like blew my brains out and like reshifted my whole being because I love, I was obsessed with theater since I was in Joseph and the Amazing Tiny Color Dreamcoat when I was little with Debbie Gibson and David Cassidy, Patrick Cassidy, his brother, not as cool as David Cassidy, but I was obsessed with it. And so Spring Waking was really like where I was like, I need to make this my career. And then I I started working at just like such great theater companies. I was at Soho Rep and the Debate Society and Atlantic Theater. And I got immersed in like playwrights because I had been so focused on musicals. And so Lucas Nath was like one of the playwrights. I was like, wow, I saw a play of his that not very many people saw, but we did it at Soho Rep. It was called like the unproduced, unauthorized screenplay about the life and death of Walt Disney. The longest title there ever was, but it was, they totally changed the theater where you walked in from the top and it looked like an old screening room from the 50s. And it was like, it looked like Walt Disney reading the play about his life with his daughters there. And then there was like magic tricks and it was this whole weird play that I was like, wow, this is so cool. And there's magic in it. And they like totally reclaimed the space. They changed it. And, you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, that was really in informative on my, you know, 20 whatever year old self. But now at the time I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And like composers, I love Joe Iconis is like one of the composers I just think is so cool and I think he's gonna do a new musical soon but you know Josh and I just saw the reading just before this of The, the Outsiders. Outsiders and that's Jamestown Revival is the is the composers along with Justin Levine, Levine. and that is some music that no one is right I mean it is incredible I think it opens in April but I I was like I haven't heard this sound on stage yet and so yeah, those are the things that I'm like currently just like, wow, that's exciting. Oh my gosh, I, I totally I totally remembered too, because you said the word magic a lot now, Lindsay. So I'm still stupid. I, I left out too, I have to say. So we have to we have to say Ricky J, right? Ricky J and his fifty two assistants with his Broadway show back in the day, right? And then the new the modern version of that, which is Derek Delgadio in and of itself, to so just to shout them out too in terms of, you know, the variety arts, right? Like being in New York City on Broadway, off Broadway. So love them totally. And for those who don't know Ricky Jay, that show is directed by David Mamet. So it's basically a David Mamet directed magic show. And Frank Oz had the uh, Derek Delgadio show. So Frank Oz was there for that. Wow. Wonderful names and shows being dropped there. This is incredible. I can only imagine the work that you're all creating based on your inspirations right there. That's a wonderful list to have there. I want to now ask my favorite question to ask guests, and I'm excited to hear yours, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I saw Dralian, which is a Cirque du Soleil show, in, when I was 10, and I walked out of that tent and knew my life purpose, like, upon exit, exiting it, which was to be part of the circus or make shows like this or be in shows like this. 
And it was one of the most powerful moments of my entire life. And now, like, seeing circus shows all the time, I don't know if it was particularly special alone, but super, super formative. I also, as a kid, saw Phantom of the Opera, like, three times. My parents weren't, like, musical people, but they were Phantom of the Opera <laughs> people. So I feel totally. like my childhood memories of Phantom <laughs> of the Opera, you know, are pretty strong. Yes. Love that. Love that. I feel like that's just, like, that comes with any time if you were alive at all from 1988 on you have some connection to Phantom of the Opera, whether you are a theater fan or not, you have yeah. some tie to it. You know, it's oh, like- yeah. Phantom of the Opera and, yeah, Phantom of the Opera and Stomp and Blue Man Group, right? Like that was my childhood, definitely, right? But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be slightly boring. I'm gonna take Josh's answer too. I'm gonna have to say Cirque du Soleil, but there's a couple of, uh, there, there's two moments that really stick out that are kind of hilarious looking back on them. So Josh had seen Jolion, but I went to see Mystere the Cirque du Soleil show Mystere at Treasure Island in Las Vegas. And the first time I saw the show, and I've seen the show 76 times now, but the first time I saw the show, when the show opened, the opening of the show, the artists come out through the audience. And I was, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to get the math wrong. I was 16 or something when it opened. But it was the first time, I'm from Ohio. So I hadn't seen a lot of, you know, a lot of shows. And the first time I saw artists walking in the audience, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, you can't do that. There's a stage and they're not on the stage. This is the audience. This is where I am. <laughs> they're not supposed to be here. I was <laughs> terrified. I mean, I was, I was completely terrified. It blew my mind. Just this idea of like, that you could do something outside of the normal thing. And that's the first thing. And the second thing is that then, of course, I was just a lifelong fan of Cirque du Soleil. So when the show O opened in Las Vegas, I remember flying to Vegas. I mean, because I had to see it. And I saw the show, but, but because they had just opened, like you couldn't get tickets. It was sold out for like a year or two, a year and a half at least. But I heard a rumor, you know, you could get standby tickets if you were lucky. So I camped out on the floor of the Bellagio <laughs> at the ticket office for 12 hours. <laughs> I remember sitting there on the floor for 12 hours and I managed to get another ticket. And here's the cool part. I got a last minute ticket and Cirque du Soleil used to hold three producer seats per show in case anybody from management would show up, right? Guess who I sat beside that show? Franco Dragon. So I got, not only did I get a ticket, but Franco was sitting next to me watching the show that night. Wow. Again, just completely blew my mind. I mean, I'll never get over that. Like, it was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. So those are my theater memories. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that story. No, me either. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, oh Lindsay, you got to bring us home now. You've got to top that. I don't know how, but <laughs> when Jay told me about, said Starlight Express, and I forgot that he has a love of Starlight Express, and we were singing the finale <laughs> song the last time he was in New York over and over. But my memory <laughs> is that my, we, so my family went, we went to London, we saw Starlight Express and had the like great seats just by chance because we were like right where the like ramp came around if you ever saw it in london it like they had a whole ramp that came around part of the audience and there was like a second section in the orchestra that you it was just like the best row so then when we went back the next year instead of seeing a different show we also saw starlight express again my parents were like we're gonna get those tickets because it's the best seats so we got there we're all so excited because we all loved it we're like oh my god we're back and then this other family comes like you're in our seats and we're like, we're not like, these are our seats. We know these are our seats because we have one of your last year, all this stuff. And I'm like mortified. I'm like, oh my God, this is a fight. It like, wasn't a fight, but you know, I'm like 12. They're like, no. And then the usher comes over and she's like, what's wrong? 
And she's like, oh, these tickets are for tomorrow night. And my dad's like, oh my God, I forgot we had Dr. Doolittle tickets tonight. <laughs> so we like rushed over to the other side of the West End. London. I don't even, in my little head, it felt like forever. And we made it, we totally missed act one, made it for act two. And it was, I would say, like one of the worst shows I've seen ever. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because we didn't see act one, but it was just like really, and my, we were all upset and like, and piss, and now I always have anxiety that I'm in the wrong seat on the wrong day. For till this day, I always, if someone's coming over to my row, I'm like, oh my God, am I in their seat? Am I in the right sh- night? But it's uh, <laughs> hilarious that you love Starling Express, and that's like the most anxiety ridden I've ever felt at the show. <laughs> I love that still, though. Wow. What wonderful memories. I love all of those. Thank you all so much for sharing those. Are there any other projects or productions any of you have coming up that we might be able to plug? Sure. So Hideaway Circus, which is our producing company, we produce three different shows. Reflex is one. We have a hip-hop Romeo and Juliet dance theater piece called Beyond Babel, which was nominated for two Drama Desk Awards, Unique Theatrical Experience and Best Choreography, and was a New York Times Critics pick. Um, it ran before and after the COVID. We had, you know, like other shows did that, COVID. that COVID intermission, <laughs> we can call it. And that'll be on tour throughout the whole U.S., also a national tour from the end of January to the beginning of April. And then we produce a summer circus that tours all over the East Coast in the summer. And that runs June through the end of September. So this is the Stars Above. Stars Above. Thank you, Jay. That's the name of the show. Stars yeah. Above. Although... Yeah. Yeah, stars above. We might, might, well, they were breaking the news here. So we might be making a new show instead of stars above this year. It might be a new show. So that's exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. No, I mean, he asked about new projects. Yeah. Wow. You heard it here first. Stage Whisper exclusive. You should mention another sunset, Jay, because I feel like that, even though I don't know when you can perform it, people should see it online. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So actually, after I did the premiere of Reflex, we did our initial run um, in New York last year. I actually made a whole new new show one year later, (laughs) which was kind of insane and silly, but it was also fun. In some ways, it's kind of a sequel to Reflex in a little bit, but like basically it's a show about juggling different colors, um, which again, it kind of sounds trivial when I say it like that, but I gotta work on my sales pitch. But it's not, it's, but it's quite a deep show. I'm telling, I, I give a lot of context and I, I tell about uh, different stories about juggling. I mean, which is the same thing with the Reflex show that we're touring now, where we're just trying to share my passion for juggling with an audience, right? So trying to have the audience see juggling through my eyes. And that's really what another sunset is. And like Josh said, if you I can help check out that show. You off. If I could help you with your pitch, I would say Reflex is how do you do, you know, Jay's work in a theater context where you see it in a theatrical show and another sunset exists in a museum context where you're looking at it like visual art, which is where the color component comes right. to it. So Jay tours it to various museum and gallery spaces, not to not to theaters. And the whole show is available to watch. One of the museums put it online on YouTube. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. YouTube. There it is. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Great. Some great stuff to look forward to in addition to Reflex. And it is a great lead into my final question, which is 
If our listeners would like more information about Reflex or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, you can always email Lindsay and I at hello at hideawaycircus.com, which is, you know, we do read everything that comes in. And if you have questions for Jay, of course, you can contact him directly. But we'll forward it on if we think it's an appropriate question. And you might get a response from Jay. And then you can get tickets for Reflex at reflexshow.com. Yeah, and I, I try to keep up some nice things on Instagram, on the at Reflex Show on Instagram. So you can check out that too. Put up some videos sometimes about the show and other information there. Yeah. And I'll also post stuff on Hideaway Circus at Hideaway Circus on Instagram as well and Facebook. We, Josh and I, you know, it, I think from the outside, it may look like a big company, but it's really just us and one other person. <laughs> so we do everything. <laughs> and, you know, the old real circus way, you just do everything you can. Um, so when you do reach out to or watch Jay's Instagram or my Instagram, our Instagram, it's really just like us sharing um with with the viewers versus like a social media person doing it so feels authentic and it's fun to follow along in the story of a new show a new ish show being done maybe one more thing i could throw out there since we know we have podcast listeners listening to this so Lindsay and i host a podcast that jay mentioned called the hideaway circus podcast and we interview people who founded circus companies so if that's of interest to you and you want to learn about how people start circus companies that exists Jay and one of Jay's fellow fellow Scandinavian Icelandic what's what's the term for these countries the the Nordic 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 Nordic. countries (laughs) another well-known Nordic juggler named Eric hosts a podcast called Object Episodes where uh, Jay and Eric have over maybe like twenty or so hours of material so far really done deep dives into the history of juggling and every possible topic related to juggling I think they've they've covered so. If you need more circus or juggling material to listen to, there are <laughs> more options. Totally. Wonderful. Well, Jay, Josh, and Lindsay, thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This sounds incredible. This sounds like so much fun. So thank you so much for sharing today. Thanks. Thank you for was- having us. It's so fun to be to be here together. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing this. It's It's so great to have this opportunity. Thanks a lot. Thank you. My guests today have been the master juggler and visual artist Jay Gilligan, the producer Josh Avener, and the director Lindsay Avener, all who were part of the show Reflex. It's playing October 11th through the 22nd at the Baruch Performing Arts Center, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting reflexshow.com. Also, check that website because the show's going on tour and you can find dates and locations of the tour to see when the show's coming to a performance space near you. We also have some contact information and a great podcast you can tune into for more circus-related information and discussions that we'll be posting on our social media and episode description. But most importantly... Get your tickets now for Reflex, playing October 11th through the 22nd. Head to ReflexShow.com for those, and we'll see you at Reflex at the Baruch Performing Arts Center. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Hey, unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Thank
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. The lights of old.